Hey everyone, this is Pastor Steve from Faith Community Church, and you are listening to Faith That Works, podcast ministry of Faith Community Church, Indianapolis, Indiana. We're so excited that you've taken time to listen to these words today. Our desire is that this would push you to a closer, deeper, more meaningful relationship with Jesus Christ. Thanks for listening. So last week we talked about, are you a good member? Again, trying to be intentional. Are you a good, because everyone is a member of the household of God if you're a believer. Look at your neighbor real quick and say, you're a member. Now, if, if the person sitting next to you doesn't know Jesus, you might have to say you're not a member. But anyway, I'm not saying, don't do that, don't cast judgment. But I'm saying, if you know Jesus, you are a member of the household of God. Now, the question is, are you a good member? Because a good member has a responsibility to God. A good member has a responsibility to each other. A good member has responsibility to leadership. Can, can I tell you, I know a lot of you came to church for you, but did you come to church for each other today? It, it's easy. It's easy, and we, we get pulled in to, to, the, to the lie that church is about me. Because if I don't like it here, hey, I'll take my tithe and hit the road. And go somewhere else. But the question is, if God's called you here, then you've got to dig in and be here. And you don't come here for you. You come here for each other. The body is here to take care of each other. And then it's not about your preferences. It's not about what you want. It's about what everybody around you needs. See, now we're thinking different. Right? We're thinking different. See, that's the way God intended for his people to operate, is to gather together and take care of each other. So who did you check on when you came in the door? You, 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 I'm just saying. It's something we have to consider. There's a reason we open the doors at like 9 o'clock, 8.30, 8.15. Someone's here at 8.15 this morning. Why? So we can go ahead and prepare and get ready and think and how are you? And we, it takes time. I know we live in a culture that you want to go one hour church. Hey, pastor, I know we ain't doing an hour here. I'm super Christian. I know you're going to preach an hour. So don't get on me about only wanting to be at church an hour. Well, let me give you an hour and a half then. Hour buck 45. Come on now. I'm saying we're so interested in as soon as we walk in the door, when's this thing over? That's not the body of Christ. Right? That's not the body of Christ. The body of Christ is checking, calling, praying. How's your week? How you doing? Hey, hey, you, you okay today? You kind of seem a little down today. Everything okay? Hey, there ought to be prayer going. Prayer can be, hey, can I tell you, we don't have to pray at 10 o'clock. It can happen before 10 o'clock. Amen? Amen? You grab somebody, come, start praying. Grab somebody, start praying. Pray for one another. Take care of each other. Let's be the body. And you know what? And body life doesn't even just happen on Sundays. Right? We, we are in a check-the-box culture where we've got church service. I'm a good Christian. Check. And then I'll go do whatever I want to do the rest of the week. And that is not what Jesus wanted. He wanted you to be a member of the body. A member of the body. You have to check on one another. Some of you got to take, hey, can I tell you the older I get, the more work my body needs. Amen? Everybody understand? Right? 
I'll be 50 in July. Dear Lord. You know, I'm, you know, the Bible says our body is a breaking down tent. We just, we just, de you know, we're just breaking down. And so what we have to do is take care of each other. The body has to take care of one another. How many of you went seven days without brushing your teeth? My point. Thank you for you ooh people. So we take care of our teeth, but who called justice this week? I mean, I'm not trying to throw conviction down, but I'm saying that's part of the deal, right? We got to take care of each other. We got to be good to each other. We got to check on each other. Well, pastor, I don't even know where to start. Start with one tooth. Just brush one. And the world will say, thank you. At least there's a hint of toothpaste in your breath now instead of all that coffee. We don't need that. Start with one. If you don't know where to start, start with one. And can I just say this real quick? You're not going to like everything in the church, but it's not about you. I'm sorry. It's just not. All right? I, 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 you know, me personally, I enjoyed the song set today because I think it honored God and glorified God and encouraged the body. And you might be like, well, I didn't really like that third song. Well, guess what? We don't really care. It's not trying to be mean. It's not, it's not trying to be mean. You know? I, I, don't, I don't text James during the week and say, uh, Brother James, um, what songs do you think the people want to sing this week? We, what songs will honor God? What songs will glorify God? What songs will stir you up? What songs will encourage your heart? That's what we're going to be about. So here's the thing. There is a battle for unity in the body, right? You ever been to church and there's bristling, there's fighting, there's maneuvering, and everybody wants their way, and some of you even come in today and you glanced at the thermostat and you went, 69. Unbelievable. Who, 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 who does that, right? Who, who, who put these, who bought these chairs? Why is there so much space between the front row and the off? What are you dancing, church? What are they gonna go nuts up here? What's happening? I don't understand what's going on. Why, 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 why is there somebody different than Randy on the drums today? I don't understand. Randy's out of town, by the way. Thank you, Josh. Good job. You understand? So we we just get sideways about all kinds of stuff. So understand this: when we're in the body, it takes a lot of grace. We've got to overlook stuff. Don't take the bait of offense. We've talked about this. Don't let people, right? That's the enemy. Forgive quickly. Don't be critical or complain to others. Because remember this, division chokes out the life of the church. If you came to church and you know, man, people just don't even like each other there. Well, you won't come. This has to be a place where we love each other. We love each other. Because can I tell you what? It's not about you. It's all about Jesus. It's about what God wants. What else could we, can I, can, we were looking at all these married couples the last couple of days. What a bunch of weird people were in the room. In the same room. I was chief weirdo. Right? Right? My, and you're like, we already know that, you know. So, but the beautiful thing about the body of Christ is that we all come together. Right? All these different personalities and backgrounds and, 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 and all these things. We've all got a different story coming into the room. And we all believe just a little bit different about certain things. But guess what? We all agree on Jesus. We all agree on the blood. We all agree on the resurrection. We all agree on the word of God. And that's enough for us to do 
business in the world and the kingdom of God. So don't get sideways. Can I tell you that in the Protestant Reformation, Martin Luther pulled away from the Catholic Church, 95 Thesis. If you don't know, you know, look that up. That's a big deal. October 31st, 1570. It wasn't that much long later that somebody in the church didn't agree with how often Martin Luther took communion. It's not enough for me, Martin. I'm going to start me another church. Because that's what we do. We want it our way. And when things don't come our way, then we get upset. But it's got to be God's way. It's got to be God's way. And so we've got to be intentional. So here's what we've talked about so far. We're moving on. Who we are, what we're to do. We're to pray, pray with power. And today I want to talk about the idea of being devoted. Okay? And then we've got two more, and then we're, we're going to go into some other things. But today I want to talk about what does it mean to be devoted. So Acts chapter 4. But before, I want you to read this. I want you to look at this quote from Bill Bright on the screen. And then we're going to jump into Acts chapter 4. Watch this. Let's look at this together. I'm going to read it, but follow along with me. God has placed in our trust a measure of time, a unique set of talents and sufficient resources to carry out his will for each of our lives. Our task as faithful stewards is to manage those blessings in order to bring the maximum glory to his name. So what? What? all of that to say this, that God has given you things to use not for your benefit but for his and it only comes as we bring this to him in devotion to him see we've got to move past just attending to devoted in the book of acts when you read how the early church behaved they were devoted to christ devoted to christ so let's read acts chapter 4 it's on the screen if you need it but verse 32 We'll jump to 34 and 35 as well. Acts chapter 4. And then we're going to back up to Acts chapter 2. Now look at the attitude of the early church in Acts chapter 4 beginning at verse 32. Now the full number of those who believed were of one heart. Look at that. And soul. And no one said that any of the things that belonged to him was his own. But they had everything in common. There was not a needy person among them. For as many as were owners of lands or houses sold them and brought the proceeds of what was sold and laid it at the apostles' feet and it was distributed to each as any had need. That is a radical economic plan for the early church. If you read that right, what that says is they all sold what they had and brought the money to the church so that the need could be spread out among the people. And some of you today think, whoa, 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 whoa. I, I don't understand it. Because the early church attitude was it all belongs to God. How dare I belong to the church and think anything belongs to me? It all belongs to God. So we steward it according to the way God wants us to steward. And so there's an attitude there that the early church had. Then in Acts chapter 2, beginning in verse 42, it says this, and this is the word for today. And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, Acts 2, 42, and the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and the prayers. Watch this, and what happened? 
And all came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. And all who believed were together and had all things in common. That is another time it uses the phrase, they had all things in common. How, how in the world would a group of people have all things in common? Because they agreed that it was about Christ and Christ's plan for the church rather than what I wanted. And when a group of people can become devoted to the things of God and they can lay down whatever they want for whatever God wants, then God has the freedom to really, really move. So let's look at that phrase, they devoted themselves. Let's, let's, that, let's break into that word, devoted. You, you're, um, your Bible might even say something like, uh, they continued steadfastly. I know another translation that words it like that. Now, this talks about this. And here's, this is a combination of a couple of words when it talks about devotion or continuing steadfastly. Look at the screen there. It says, to give constant attention to. That's what devotion is, right? We, we've got some married couples now that I believe are becoming more devoted to each other. But the early church was devoted to one another and to the teaching of the apostles. It means to continue to stay in that direction, to persevere, to be in constant readiness. It has the feel, devotion of, is that I'm walking a road and nothing is going to stop me from continuing to move forward. That, that's the idea of devotion. That I have made my mind up that I am traveling this road and nothing, even though everything wants to knock me to the left or to the right, I'm devoted to this cause. I'm going to continue. I'm going to persevere. I'm going to keep moving forward. Now watch this. Now think about this just for a second. This is why the devil wants to hang you up. Get you stuck. Because if you're stuck, you're not moving. This is why he wants to keep you in fear, to paralyze you. This is why he brings outside things into your life. Like, what in the world's going on? Yeah, yeah, the enemy's trying to keep you from moving. Because God wants you to be, to stay devoted. He wants you to continue traveling. There he is, and he's saying, come to me, and we're coming, and all of a sudden, this knocks us this way. This knocks us this way. We get paralyzed and stuff. We get stuck, right? And so it's important to realize that God wants us to continue moving even though it may be difficult and even though there may be things outside influences that want to stop us from moving, it is so important. See, we have to will ourselves. I will stay devoted. I'll be devoted to the cause of Christ. I'll be devoted to the things of God. I'll be devoted to teaching. I'll be devoted to the things that God has for me. So let's go through a couple of principles of devotion. So the, the first one I want to talk about, we'll go through this. This will not take long today. Are you devoted? The principle one is simply this. Watch this. If you want to, want to write these down. The first principle is just showing up. We, most of you know we, we, we're blessed to, to be able to have a, um, a store on the west side and we hire and well, my wife does all that. But can I, can I tell you rule number one for an employee is just get there. Just get there. Oh, and by the way, on time. Right? Hey, hey, you said show up. It's th I'm three hours late on my shift, but I'm here. 
right? And I hear people talking about people who hire, people who fire, all these things that it's almost impossible to find people who want to work, right? Nobody wants to work. And then if you tell somebody, hey, uh, we started at 8 o'clock, I was looking for like 9.20. Like, well, the job is this. And so you, we're, we're in a day where you have to really kind of help people understand what, what showing up means, right? And that, you know, and, you know, you, you, you can work with, with, without your cell phone in your hand. You can lay it down and you don't need to, don't get me started on earbuds while at the workplace, right? You know, like how are you preparing my food order with that earbud in your ear? What if it falls in my chicken sandwich, right? I, so anyway, you, you understand this is the day where, where can I tell you, that, that, can I just encourage you? So showing up may seem simple, but can I tell you, a devoted follower of Christ, just show up. Just do. Just start the process. Just, just get there. I'm talking about church. I'm talking about, well, I don't even know how to start reading my Bible. Well, open it, step one. Step one, sit down, step two, open it, step three, read, right? And we have made a thousand excuses as to why we can't read the Word of God. Like it's some kind of, like you've got to have a Ph.D. in theology to understand the Bible. God did not give us a word that we could not understand. And then somebody, then I get asked the question all the time, well, pastor, what translation do you recommend? The one you will read. What translation is the most readable to you? Well, I prefer this right there. Yeah, do it. Read it. The one you will read is the, is the translation of preference because what we need to be doing is reading the Bible. And we've got a group of people arguing about which translation's right and which translation's wrong, but they don't read it. It's like a bunch of fishermen talking about fish all the time, but never going fishing, right? And I feel like the church has turned into like this fisherman's club. We sit around, we talk about fish, we compare fishing rods, we got lures and tackles, and we got, we got all these kind of baits we talk about. But somebody tell me where the pond is. Where's the fish? Let's get going. Let's stop spinning our wheels, debating. And, in, and, and listen, can I just be honest with you? Facebook ain't the place for your theological discussions. Amen, Pastor. That's right. You understand? That's not the place. So if you want to talk the Bible and your interpretation of the Bible, let's go. Let's sit down and talk about it. But for the world to watch the church banter and fight, what kind of, what kind of witness is that? You don't even, you know, and we start, we get nasty on stuff like that. It's like, oh, man, oh, man, God help us. Because I'm telling you what, hey, listen, the world is watching how we treat each other. They will know. They will know. They will know. We are Christians. Little Christ, we talked about that, by our, by our debating by our worship, by our sermons, by our buildings, by our social, you know, uh, reaching out. Mm-mm, mm-mm, mm-mm. Love. Love. And love covers 
multitude of sins. We, we have to love. I, I, I know it's hard. You have to love me. You have, you have to. You have to. You might not be enjoying this sermon, but you have to love me. Right? And the, the thing is, I have to love you. Right? But that's the thing. The ability to love each other is the most unnatural thing. Right? I love, I, I didn't love British people, but I do now. I love British people. I love them. I don't, right? I never have. I've never have. But I love the honeys. Man, I love them. Even people from Oregon. I mean, they got Great Britain and Oregon on their resume. What? Right? That's love. Some of you, you come and talk to me, and I walk away going, oh, Lord, I got to love them. You understand how that goes? And that's the thing, though. God has called us to love one another. That is the evidence. Isn't it? It's the evidence of Christ in me, the hope of glory. Hebrews 10, let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together, as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another. And all the more as you see the day drawing near. Hey, can I say this? The devil does not want you to come to church. If we're really going to do church right and not just be a service, if we're really going to be the body of Christ and we're really going to take care of each other and we're really going to come in the room and start operating where, the, where, we're, where we're praying, where we're ministering, where we're worshiping, where we're hearing the word, where we're growing together. If we're going to stop, right? Because the devil could care less if you miss a service and you're just attending. That, that's where we get the 1.4 active, but who cares? But if we're really going to be the church of Jesus, every devil in hell will do whatever. Hey, come on now. Some of you have been great all week and Saturday night and Sunday morning. It's like, dear Lord, the devil. What in the world? The yes. Yes. I remember having small children, babies. They would be great all week. Sunday morning, they're throwing up on everything. Right? Kalina may come. You know, some of you know Kalina. When she was little, you know, it's like Sunday morning, and it's like, okay, time to go out the door. Boom! What? What? Do it again. Poof! You, you understand how that goes? So you, you better go ahead. If you got small children, you got babies, just go ahead and pick out three outfits and be done. Be ready. You, you got to plan ahead. Right? You got to plan ahead. Right? If you low on gas on a Sunday morning, every gas station will be closed. You won't even explain why. You understand? The one morning you forget to set your alarm, it's always Sunday. <laughs> well, Pastor, I meant to be there today, but them alarm clocks are tricky. No, they're not. They're not because you figure it out on Monday, right? You tell your boss, you know what? That alarm clock was just tricky today. I just, you know, right? It's about our attitude towards the thing, is it not? Because if we're being completely honest with each other, church is optional. It just is. It just is. In fact, some of you came in the room like, I came to church today. 
Pastor can't say nothing bad about me because I'm here. And I know you're like, why are you talking about church attendance? We're here. Can you talk about that another time when all the people that aren't here are here? I don't know when that's going to be, so let's just go and talk about it now. You understand that? <laughs> the goal is we need to all raise our awareness that the enemy wants to keep you away from the body. He wants to keep us away from the body. Right? Hey, have we already forgotten that we had to go home for a while? Did, did, we, did we already forget that they outlawed church for a while? You think the enemy wasn't like, got them suckers at home. Got them suckers at home. A great defense mechanism is spread out the army. If there's an army ready for battle, ready to go, ready to do war, and they have to spread out, now you, know, you, don't, you don't know, you don't, you don't, you're not strong anymore. And so that's why it's critical. It's critical we come together. It's critical that we be here, right? So, so now, so, and I'm talking about when the church, now watch this. If you read the Bible, and I, we can't cherry pick what we believe about the Bible. The Bible says right there in that verse we just read, it says, as you see the day approaching, the end is what that's talking to. When you see the day approaching, you know what it says? Gather more. Now, wait a minute. Whoa, 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 whoa. Pump the brakes on that, preacher. I'm not sure about all that. Once a week is plenty. But I'm telling you, we're going to need each other more as it gets darker in the world. Amen? And I know you got stuff. We all got stuff. But we've got to figure out a way to work through our stuff of our schedule so that we can be devoted. Amen? Got to be devoted. Got to step up our game. It's going to be, it's, it's time. It's time for the church to step up and devote it. Be here. Life happens. Absence is the exception, not the rule. So principle two is to be invested, right? Let's talk about this just for a second, to be invested, right? Now, if you're a guest here today, and I'm just throwing this out there, how, how many of you understand how often do we talk about money in this church? Rarely. Rarely. Because we know you're going to obey God with your finances, and you need to. But also, I need to, I have to be faithful to teach you what the Bible says. I'm, I, I can't avoid it. Does that make sense? Right? If I got food in my teeth, please tell me. Don't be like, oh, my Lord. Ooh. We got to talk about the things that are maybe a little uncomfortable. Because can I tell you, the bottom line is, if you want your finances under the blessing of God, you have to be obedient with it. If you don't obey God with your money, how could he bless you? We'll go back to the teeth brushing thing. If you never brush them and you say, I got cavities. Well, duh. Of course you do. I don't understand why my finances are a mess. Well, do you honor God with your money? Well, throw $20 in once in a while. Burn! That's called tipping God. Don't tip God. Somebody like, oh, I never heard that. I like that. Don't tip God, right? I was in a church one time, and this man was probably a multimillionaire. And he wasn't shy about it. That when the ushers would go by, he'd flip a $20 bill in. That was it. That was it. And I'm telling you what, it may look like God's blessing. It's not. It's not. I, I, I wouldn't want to live with that kind of risk. Some of you, you're talking about a risk analysis. That's a serious risk. It's a serious risk 
for you to live outside of the umbrella, the blessings of God. Malachi says it like this. You're like, well, that's an Old Testament. You know, people who always say that's Old Testament are the cheapskates. That's a terrible word. I shouldn't have used that word. In other words, I'm, very not, I'm not very eloquent sometimes about stuff, you know. But, but it, it's always the people who are holding back from God that say, that's an Old Testament principle. We don't have to give 10%. I'll just, I'll tell you what my personal opinion, and this is one of those things we can disagree on, and you can still come to church here. I think 10% is the minimum. I, I, I say, I, I say we're, we're not under law, we're under grace, so why would I just give the minimum to God? So right there, Malachi says, will man rob God? Yet you're robbing me. But you say, how have we robbed you? In your tithes and your contribution. Bring the, say it with me. Full tithe into the storehouse that there may be food in my house. And thereby, watch this, put me to the test, says the Lord of hosts. If I will not open the windows of heaven for you and pour down for you a blessing until there is no more need. Watch this, I will rebuke the devourer for you so it will not destroy the fruits of of your soil and your vine and the field shall not fail to bear, says the Lord of hosts. Can you get an amen right there? Now understand this. So what you're doing right there is now watch this now. You don't tithe saying, well, God's going to give it back to me. You tithe because it's right. You tithe for the blessings of God. You tithe because you belong to God. You tithe out of obedience. Don't ever expect God to give you back what you put in. Right? But guess what? Can I tell you this? What he does is more than that. See, God doesn't want to do a gift exchange with you. I give you one, you give me one. I give you a gift, you know, you're my secret Santa, Jesus, and here's my gift, and you give me my gift. No, no, no. I'm going to honor God so that I can just stand back because God's going to outgive you. Right? If you're friends with a rich man, you buy him a present. Knowing he's going to get you something nicer. God doesn't give equal value. He gives more. But also don't expect the money back. It'll be some other way. You understand? He says right here, I will rebuke the devourer for you. I want that kind of help. I, I, want, to put, I want to position myself. Let's, I want you to see this umbrella real quick. Go to that umbrella. The next slide. See, I want you to see that umbrella because what happens is, when you obey God with your money, you get under his umbrella when it rains. You following that? Because I don't know about you, but when it rains, I want to be under the umbrella of God. And how I get there is by living in obedience to his word. Now you say, that's an Old Testament principle. Look what Paul wrote. The point is that whoever so sparingly will also reap sparingly. And whosoever sows bountifully will reap bountifully. So each one must give as he has decided in his heart, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. So be careful. See, I, here's what I think. I think your gifts should be predetermined. You, you should have put some thought into what you're doing because you know 
I, you know, my, my, my dad was a believer, but he really wasn't locked into the church because all he saw was fighting and feuding. And he came, when he first got right with God, he was at a church business meeting. What in the world's that? Looking back, what? A church business, right? So there was a church business meeting, and all of a sudden people got fighting and feuding and screaming at each other. And he looked at me and said, that's church. They can keep it. I'm out. I love my Jesus from home. And that's what he did. He never went back to church. He'd come once in a while. But he was a uh, tipper, right? Offer plate comes by, out comes the wallet, flip a little cash in, wallet back in. See, it wasn't predetermined. He, he's not sowing. He, he's giving no thought. He, he's not predetermining his gift to God. It's just like, well, it looks like I got about 36 bucks here. Boom. It doesn't matter what we're making. It's just, it's flipping. It's tipping. You, you understand how that works? And that is not what God is expecting from his people. He wants you to sow. But you don't sow with anything expected because you're trusting in the one who you're sowing, right? So understand this. And we'll move on. Giving is worship. God isn't interested in your money but your heart. Can I tell you, your money is a heart thing. Where your heart is, there your treasure is. Where your treasure is, your heart is. You understand? That's the principle. Is God is interested more in your heart. And here's the thing. So if we're holding on, if we're holding on, we're not trusting God. It's when you let go and say, God, here's my gift to you. I trust you, you. If you don't open your hand, how can you get anything back? If you are giving, clutching, then your hand is closed. What is God going to put in your hand? So can I encourage you to let it go because God, I'll tell you a true story, personal, true story here. For the longest time, for years and years, I'm a, I was a hypocrite. Many moons ago, I taught on tithing and did not tithe. And I saw God over and over and over again just hammer me about it. I was so stubborn and stuck in my mind about it and I never received back then the full blessings of God because I was stuck in this mentality of I could not afford it. But see then, when I get in the mentality of cannot afford it, I take the assumption that it's mine. See, the lie is that God has 10% and you get the rest. No, no, it's all his. It's, 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 can, can, right? It is all his. Every dime in your bank account, your 401, your boat, your car, your, your house, that, the furniture, that tea set, it's God's. For those of you that have tea sets, I don't know where that came from, right? You understand? Oh, we were looking at tea sets. Like we were in Brown County looking at tea sets. See, I'm just firing, just, just like, pew, pew, pew. Right? It belongs to God. So what if God wanted 20? So, all right. True story. I knew a man that tithed 50%. He got out of debt so that he could. He goes, I am positioning myself so that I can live on 50 and give 50 away to the church. Not TBN, the church. Not against TBN, I'm saying the church. He brought 50% to the storehouse that's where he felt like God wanted him to be so we have to understand that it all belongs to God only 10% is a lie the bottom line is do you trust him do you trust him right now for those of you that are having a hard time with the 10% math 
I'll help you with that anytime you need to, okay? So just bottom line is let's give to God. Let's be honest and honorable with God with our money. Let's go on, okay? Now watch this. Here's another principle of giving. You don't need a lot to be a giver. We talked about in our, hey, if you're not coming at 915, you ought to join us upstairs. We're having a great, great time going through the Bible. We talked today a little bit about the little boy bringing his lunch. Right? A lot of you even say today, how can I tithe? I don't have much to give. How can I give to the church? I don't have much to give. God's not looking for a lot, but he is looking for all you have. Right? The Bible says, he said, Jesus said, how many loaves do you have? They found out five and two fish. And taking the five loaves and the two fish, he looked up and they all ate and they were satisfied. God wants what you have, not what you don't have. Let's keep going. So are you devoted? Principle number three is to stay connected to one another. Serve one another. Jesus said, as he's washing feet in John 13, if then your Lord and teacher have washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. For I have given you an example that you also should do just as I have done to you. Are you devoted to the body? Are we devoted to one another? Are we serving one another? In Philippians, Paul said, do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. It's so important that we create an environment where the needs of others are more important than the needs of our own. So let me talk about this. There might be a time and you know what? And again I've been in, just humor me for just for a minute. Been in church my whole life right? And people come and people go and people feel called away and it's just going to happen that sometimes people come into the building, they stay for a while, and they feel called to go somewhere else. And can I just say real quick, they are not the enemy. We, we never really talk about what to do when people leave. I, it's so awkward what to do. In fact, we ought to teach a whole sermon on what to do. So I came up with just a few things that if someone feels called to leave, right, or if God ever calls you to leave, can you go to that next screen? I want everybody to see this. Things to remember if God calls you away. Let's just talk about this real quick. More than likely, it's a misunderstanding or a misalignment. Right? There's going to be like, hey, our visions aren't lining up. You know, my vision for what I want my family to be a part of and what's going on here, they're not lining up. Hey, all right. The good news is we all go to heaven together. So any misalignment that happens on earth, we'll all figure it out in heaven. Right? Because every believer is going to heaven. So understand this. People that you don't worship with regularly here, you're going to worship with them one day, right? So we got to make sure we're not creating hostile relationships. So it's either leave with grace, right? Just leave with grace. Don't, don't start fires. Don't, don't burn the place down as God calls you out. It's easy to do. Don't burn bridges, Right? There's no reason if God calls you away to just start burning all these relationships and burning all these things and doing all these things to hurt people. Leave in love, right? Leave in love, right? Are, are, we, are we believers together or not? Are we followers of Christ together or not? I love people, right? And this is important to realize is that our church is not in competition with other churches. Right? I... I, I I, I, I spent some time in the Baptist church, right? Back in the day, for those of you that remember, we had revivals, which is basically a week worth of going to church. 
Not sure if revival ever happened, but we went to church for a week, every night, right? We called it revival, but it was more like burnout in my house because my mama had to work all day and go to church all night. So by the end of the week, we were like mad at each other. Rawr, I got to go to revival, get in the car, right? I'm not sure that felt like revival, you know? felt like we're having a week of burnout next week. Come join us every night at 7 o'clock. So during our week of burnout slash revival, the Methodist church had revival the same week. And, and I remember someone asking me, hey, how was your revival? Yeah, it's okay. And this is what they told me. Good. Ours wasn't that good either. What? What? I, is it really the Methodist versus the Baptist? Is that what we've signed up for? Are the Presbyterians the bad guys? Are they? Do we really hate the charismatics? I mean, what? Come on now. Why, why, are we, why are we doing this to each other? We're the body of Christ. We've got to come together. And so we like to worship. We worship different places, different ways, but we're on Team Jesus. Team Jesus. We're on Team Jesus. And when someone leaves here, if they belong to Christ, they're still on Team Jesus. So when you see them at the Walmart, just give them a real good hug. Amen. They will know we are Christians by our love. They will know we are Methodists by our hatred of the Baptist. I mean, come on now. Fred's like, don't start on the Methodist right now. Right? Let's just keep loving each other. So, Pastor, so-and-so's left our church. Should I block them on Facebook now? No, no, right? So when God calls you out, keep loving. I hope God calls none of you out. None of you out, never? That's terrible English, right? I hope God doesn't ever call any of you out. But if he does, let's keep loving, right? Let's keep loving. Keep saying positive things. Keep uplifting. Let's keep moving in the right direction. Hey, this is important. Two more, I'll be done. Go back. Whoop, because I said that. Don't demonize the church. Don't, don't, don't go down the road to First Baptist and go, them suckers down faith, man, I hate those guys. That James Honey thinks he's all that singing them songs over and over again. You know, I would still be there if they had that temperature on 71, but I'm a 69, you know, or whatever. I just don't understand what, they, what they're doing down there. That's a crazy place. That's crazy down there. I can't stand it. That Pastor Steve, <laughs> what a loony bird. And then you tell that to everybody, right? Don't, that's, not, that, that's, not, that's hurting the body of Christ. Amen? And can I tell you this? You've got to find a new home. Boy, it's important, right? You've got to find a new home. Don't get church displaced. Get back to church. So lastly here, the third principle here of staying connected is to keep growing. Ephesians 2.21 says, In whom the home structure being joined together grows into a holy temple in the Lord. The psalmist wrote that the righteous flourish like the palm tree and grow like a cedar in Lebanon. It's so important if we're going to be devoted to the body of Christ that we keep growing. We never become stagnant. We stay in the word. We stay to get connected to one another and we're growing in teaching and we're growing in doctrine and we're growing in our understanding of God. Keep growing church keep growing so here's the last question and worship team come on up if you would would you call yourself devoted to the body of Christ I'm not talking about an attender would you call yourself devoted to the body of Christ 
would, 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 you, would you say, I show up. Man, the doors are open, Pastor, I'm here. Are you invested in the body of Christ? Well, are, you, are you connected? Are you, are you serving one another? Are you growing together? Are you devoted? Again, I, I know I'm asking a lot, but I think the Holy Spirit is asking us as a church to take it up a notch. And I know some of you, you're faithful to come and you're faithful to attend and you're faithful to give and you're kind of comfortable right where you are and God is calling you to go up a notch in your devotion to the body of Christ. Up a notch. In your, hey, pastor, don't you understand? I do my five-minute devotion every day. Yeah, maybe God's calling you deeper. God's calling you more. He wants you to study. He wants more time of you. He's calling you out. God wants more. God's calling us more. Let's stand up to our feet. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes just for a moment? Thanks for listening to our podcast today. Faith Community Church is located at 6801 South East Street, Indianapolis, Indiana, 46227. We are on the south side of Indy on the corner of US 31 and Southport Road. For more information about our church, please go to www.fccindianapolis.com. We worship Sunday mornings, 10 a.m., Sunday nights at 6 p.m. and midweek services as well. We have activities and studies for all ages. We have something for your entire family. Come be a part of our family. We would love to see you sometime. Have a blessed day and always remember that Jesus changes everything.